everything we do is sort of an opportunity to learn. So if you have a pattern in the past of starting things and then quitting them, being aware of that's the first step to change it. You are capable of more. You are capable of achieving ambitious results professionally and leading a fulfilling personal life. We're here to guide you through the process of aligning potential, optimizing performance, and ascending to success on Aligned Life Pro. Hello, Mike Indavo here, and this is Aligned Life Pro, joined by best-selling author Michael Lennington and the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert. And today we're going to talk about interest versus commitment because these two things get confused quite a bit. Sometimes interest can lead to commitment, but lots of times people kind of confuse these things. And they, if you listen to our previous episode about allocating resources, you can get yourself in trouble a little bit when you talk about confusing interest versus commitment and what you're really interested in. So Michael, I know that this is something that you've been passionate about and uh, you've trained on in the past, kind of set the stage a little bit for us when we're talking about interest versus commitment. Sure. Right right now, I'm kind of interested in this topic. I'm not yet committed to it, so we'll see where it goes. But um, <laughs> well, we're committed because this is going to become a podcast episode. Okay. So, so now I have to commit. Yes, right, you're well, committed. Okay. Now I'm committed. All right. Interest and commitment are interest, interesting because they're related to one another. I'm interested in a lot of things. And what, what that means is I'll do things up to a point. I'll pursue things up to a point. And then at some point when that becomes too difficult, I'll stop. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? So I might be interested in a, a particular topic and I'm going to go look into that topic. But as soon as it becomes difficult to keep pursuing that, I'll, I'll stop and no harm. But other times um, I'm committed to things, which means that I'll do whatever it takes to make something happen, right? I'm, will, I'm willing to be all in to make an outcome happen. And both of those are great things. The problem arises, I think, when people mistake an interest for a commitment. So they'll make a promise or a commitment on an interest. And then when it comes time to pay the price of that commitment, they fail. And it really comes down to what you just said. I mean, I think people will do when they're interested in something, they'll do it when it's convenient, right? Right. When they're committed, no excuses. It's like, I'm going for this, you know, and I think I, I automatically go think about, you know, my daughter plays basketball at a fairly high level. She's got a chance. She's got all the tools. If she wants to be a college basketball player at a pretty high level, she has an opportunity to do that. You know, is she interested in becoming a college basketball player at a high level? And as a coach, you know, this is a former basketball coach. You get this with kids all the time. You see kids who have all these talents and these tools and they can put it all together, but they have to be committed to it. Like it has to be no excuses. I'm going to go take my 200 shots today. I'm going to go work on my ball handling. I'm going to stick to my fitness routine, whatever it might be, versus the kids who are interested in basketball. They play on the high school basketball team. They don't put a whole lot of into it. You know, they do it when it's convenient. And that's an important factor, I think, for especially for athletes to get to the next level. You know, there's lots of people who have ability, but it's the commitment to the fundamentals, especially that are going to take you to that next level. And sometimes people can get by on interest for a long time, right? But what would, what would have happened if they'd been committed and what more could they have accomplished? Had they really truly been committed to what they were doing? Well, and in the spirit of this podcast and what we're trying to help people do create alignment in their life, getting by on interest for a while shows that there are aspects of, of your vision that's out of alignment. Yeah. I mean, again, you really don't know if you're committed until you kind of face some sort of adversity, right? Until it's like, I got to go do something to make this dream happen. And it doesn't necessarily fit with what I want to do. Am I willing to sacrifice something else to go after this one thing? That's how you know when you're committed. 
you know, you know, people who have been married. I know I met my wife when we were in high school or senior year in high school. She went to the all girls Catholic high school. I went to the all boys Catholic high school and uh, we met through some mutual friends and, you know, we went to a, a dance together and I, we were both definitely interested in each other, but we didn't know exactly where we were going to college at the time. Um, neither one of us was look, really looking to get into a long-term relationship uh, our senior year because we had four years of college ahead of us. Well, you know, things started to unfold that kind of grew. We ended up going to the same college. She'll deny, I chose the college first and she'll deny that she went to that college because I was going to that college. But we all know what really happened there. I mean, who can turn down this? So, uh, <laughs> and then, so that led to us, our, our sophomore year in college, getting engaged and then one year after college, getting married. And, you know, I've 20 years later, I'm married to my prom date and that interest kind of grew into commitment of something that we wanted to kind of go through the ups and downs together and, and make sure that we could overcome the obstacles ahead of us and, and grow together and all that, all that kind of fun stuff. Because I think especially people who get married young like we were, they either grow up together or they grow apart. And, and that to me is a symbol of like, even though you took that commitment of having a wedding, you really need to make sure that you're committing to growing up together and not growing apart. And that takes a lot of work. Yeah. So, so a good relationship requires you to make choices to, to make it a good relationship. Absolutely. That's and good stuff. be committed to it. Which she's still committed to me and I'm still committed to her. Yeah. Cause for you, it's been easy. I mean, I know Chrissy, <laughs> and, but for Chrissy, it's probably been a little bit more of a commitment at that level. And well, and, and I think the relationship's a good analogy because for a relationship like that to work, both sides have got to have, be 100% committed. That's not like I've got 50% responsibility of the relationship and she's got 50% responsibility of the relationship. We both have to have 100% responsibility of the relationship. That's so true. That's really profound, Mike, because if, if you start saying, okay, it's 50-50 and I'll put 50 forward if you put 50 forward, but you don't put 50 forward in my estimation. So I put 40 or 30, it goes to a zero sum, right? And and that that's just not, not – so if you look at that that way – um, and my business partner, Brian, talks about this way. He looks at his relationships as being 100% his responsibility. And when he does that, his relationships last. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, and that's and that's true whether, and that's a 100%, no pun intended, I guess, uh, when we're talking about interest versus committed. Are you 100% all in? Are you in the commitment side? Or are you, again, only there when it's convenient? So Kristen, how, how do you see this uh, kind of resonate itself with your coaching clients? It shows up in, in big ways. People usually pursue coaching because there is something lacking. They know that they, they might be more capable of something, whatever it may be. But it, it comes down to um, whether or not they are committed to what it is they say they're interested in, in pursuing and getting better at. And it shows up right away in, in how they begin to execute plans, how they allocate resources, the conversations they're having, the boundaries they set. I get a lot of people, Mike, who come into a coaching conversation for the first time, setting boundaries on their end and putting in safety nets for themselves. And that is a big red flag for I'm not committed to what it is I say I want to do. I'm only interested in pursuing this until it becomes uncomfortable. Yeah. How painful is that nail that you're sitting on to make you take action and move in a, the direction you need to move in, right? So, Michael, when you train on this, kind of kind of take us through what the process is that you kind of that you all go through. I, okay, I'll, I'll do it as quickly as I can. So when, you, when you're thinking about um, wanting to, to make a promise, commit to something, it's important to really understand what that means. And so a lot of times when we think about promises and commitments, you know, we think about New Year's resolutions as, as an example, right? And uh, New Year's resolutions are notorious for what? Failure. For, yeah, failure, yeah. They last for a while. And, and I guess gyms make a lot of their money. You know, health clubs make a lot of their money because in the beginning of the year, people make all these commitments to lose weight, get in better shape, right? And they buy gym memberships. 
the easy thing to do, right? Spend your money and you get something, but you don't have to go work out yet. And so, you know, first, and I don't know this for sure because I don't belong to a, a club, but, but. Statistically speaking, gyms make their annual revenue in the first six months of the year. So January and partway through February. First six weeks, you mean, not first six months. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. But, but I'm told this people to go and report back to me because I'm not part of a club that in January and February, early part of February, it's very difficult to find a parking place, you know, in the gyms that they're popular gyms and popular health clubs. And so, but by, by mid February, March, you can get a part spot right by the front door. So, so there's this kind of interest that creates a lot of activity, but it peters out after a while. And so you wonder why that is. And I think partly it's because when we make promises like a, like a New Year's resolution to ourselves, we're really not paying attention to what the cost is going to be. So we, we don't, we don't pay attention to the fact that we're going to have to get up and go to the gym in the morning or after work and after a long day at work, we have to go to the gym and work out. And, it, and during the workout, it's difficult. So to maintain that and to kind of work through the muscle pain, um, we've got to eat better. And sometimes we don't feel like eating better. We've got to control what we eat and, and, and we've got to control our exercise and in general, just watch our health, right? So there's a price to pay. And when we don't count that price before we make the promise to ourselves, we're very likely not to be successful with it. So it's okay to be interested in things. It's the, the, that's what gives life its spice. But the commitment requires that we pay attention to the costs of meeting and making the commitment happen. And then consciously deciding before we have to pay the price that we're going to pay the price. So I hear, I hear you speak and I'm, and I go back to my pleasure versus happiness methodology, kind of thinking, line of thinking, because, you know, to me, pleasure is in the moment when it comes to interest versus commitment. Is this, is it the same thing Is the interest is in the moment? It gives you some sort of pleasure in the moment. There's an immediate reward where when you're committed to something like the way that even that we've started this venture of the Align, of Align Life Pro. I mean, we're getting up at seven o'clock in the morning, we're meeting every day, you know, we're, we really feel like we've got something here that we're gonna grow and, and make something really special that's gonna impact a lot of people. And we've had a, we, we've overcome a lot of obstacles and basically like we've been committed. At this point, we have been committed. The three of us have been committed to this, what, since April? Yeah. And so it's, you know, it, it, it's become habit, right? It, it would be feel, it feels weird to not meet at seven o'clock in the morning and that we're taking parts of our Saturdays to rec record and do all this stuff. The benefit is still, it's down the road, right? I just find that that's really interesting. It's like you, you, we understand what the benefit could be, what the sacrifice has to be in the meantime to get there. You know, you're talking about interest versus commitment and what we're doing with this. So you were gone last weekend and we had a Saturday morning. My <laughs> Both of us, we could have done whatever we wanted. We could have slept in and, and he and I had a conversation around, this is weird. Our routine is out of place. Our disciplines are gone. I miss this Saturday, 7 a.m. So I started drinking right then. <laughs> I'm kidding. So what happens on that? You have a day of, of not being committed to something. And then there's that slippery slope of being able to slide into comfortable and go back to being interested. But what it did for us is it created such discomfort around that being gone. We talked all week about what we were going to be doing on this Saturday morning. And I think we actually even put more time in this week on our planning for our podcast that we're recording than we have since this all began. You know, and I, I, I resonate with the health struggles, like the, the gym, you know, people who know me know that I'm, I've been overweight for, I was actually super skinny when I got married, but I'm, I'm overweight now and I've enjoyed being a big guy. You know, when you're Italian, the bigger you are, the cooler you are. <laughs> I know that I've got to get this under, under control and I'm, I guess I'm interested in it because I think about it quite a bit, but at the same time, 
like the commitment has always fallen short. And I, and I go back to what Kristen was talking about earlier about the pain has not been enough for me to really take the lasting action that I've needed to do. So I've had periods like I, I've lost 60 pounds and then I've gained it back and I've done the, those kind of things, but I've never, I've, I've failed to make it a complete and total lifestyle change. And I've just got to, I know I've got to figure that out. Well, you know, I think it's interesting that Italian food is probably the best cuisine on the planet in my view, uh, my humble opinion. So it's gotta be tough. You know, if you have a, an Italian home where you're cooking Italian food to actually maintain a diet, that's a price I don't think I would pay myself. But the funny thing is, is like when I went to Italy, of course you're walking a ton, but you know, I'm eating pizza and pasta almost every meal and, and I still lost five pounds. So, Oh wow. So there's an Italian food diet. Well, um, no, it's not that. I think it's had something to do with what we, in America, what we do to our food versus what they do in Europe. I think there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. So I would agree with that. There's, I, I, I would assume that the pasta is very fresh over there. It's not as processed. And I think Americans have a much more sedentary lifestyle than, than other countries mm -hmm. do. Yeah, I was. I used to be a consultant. I worked in Europe for a while, and one of my projects was in uh, Florence. And the first time I went to Florence, my favorite city in the world, by the way. Yeah, it is mine too, by the way. Um, I've got I've got three favorite cities, and that's one of the three. But anyway, that city was great. But I I was there. I didn't speak Italian, but you know, having been working in Europe for a while, you, you, English is kind of like everybody's second language anyway. So I go into this restaurant, and I'm looking at the menu, and I don't want to ask what things are. So I see this thing. It looks like mushrooms, and it turned out to be chicken livers. <laughs> so I thought I was getting this thing with mushrooms on it and I get this thing with chicken livers. So I discovered I could eat less in Italy too. Um, I don't know exactly where we're going with all that, but anyway, well, the, here's where we're going is the price of eating Italian food can sometimes be too high to enjoy it. Well, that, and that's true. I mean, we listen, we have a lot of, of pasta and I do think that when it comes to the health thing and, 90% of it's what you're putting in your mouth. And then there's the extra exercise component. That's obviously really important. There's the, you know, can I drink enough water in the day component? All these components kind of happen. Like when you're committed to something, you've got to take this big picture and weight loss is a great analogy because on the nutrition side, you know, monitoring your calories and your macros and how important that is, because that is, that's the big part of it is, is understanding what you're putting in your mouth, when you put it in your mouth and how that all fits together, understand your metabolism, all those things. And then there's the, the exercise component. You know, I can't just go run on the treadmill in order to have fat loss. You need to do resistance training. You need to do weight training uh, to really kind of maximize your fat loss. Uh, being at the ages that we all, all are, you know, working on our core strength, our balance, our flexibility, all those things are extremely important. So you get this huge picture of like what it's going to take to be committed and you really have to make progress. Uh, I like the way they talk about it in a lot of the, um, the books like Atomic Habits and whatever about you don't necessarily need to make huge progress in all those areas, but 1% progress in each one of those areas or a little progress here, a little progress there, but you've got to move the whole train forward and eventually make it into a lifestyle where you're making uh, ch uh, changes. Now, here's where I've got. My brother-in-law is bigger than me, but he's gaining on me. I think I'm going the wrong way and he's going the right way, and I do not want to be the biggest guy in my family, so I can't let him pass me. That competition is important. Yeah, either you have to tempt him to start eating more. Yeah. Um, or you've got to eat less. No, I I'm not going to tempt him to, you know, okay. eat more. I, I need to get on the I need to get on the train. So. Okay. Well, you know, as you were talking, like a couple of things jumped out of me. Is that you talked about a lot of elements of what I would call a plan. Mm -hmm. And we talk about how interest and commitment are different in the sense that I'm interested until I have to pay a cost uh, and then I won't pay that cost, which is fine. 
the, the issue arises when we confuse a commitment with an interest where we, we think we're committed to something, but we're really only interested and we don't pay the cost. And how do you know what costs there are going to be to pay? So I'm interested in a lot of things, do I, but I haven't evaluated the costs. And what you said about figuring out what you're going to have to eat and how you're going to exercise is, is what I would call a plan. And if, so if you, if you think you want to commit to something before you can really make a commitment, I think you've got to have an idea of what the prices you're going to have to pay are going to be. And the best way to do that is to create a plan. And then once you've got that plan, if I want to lose weight, let's use that example again. And I want to, and I want to get there. It's really important to me before I can commit to that. I've got to figure out what I'll have to do and then commit to those actions that regardless of how I feel week in and week out, I'm going to take these actions. I'm willing to eat less. I'm willing to exercise. I'm willing to, to avoid situations where I'm going to be tempted to do the wrong thing. Right. And so if that's stuff I'm willing to pay the price for, then I can commit. And that's what happens with New Year's resolutions is that people don't confront the costs of their resolution. So they're they're in the moment you're there's they're satiated with with uh, holiday dinner and they've been drinking a little bit for the New Year's, whatever. But that's easy to make a promise then. But when you actually have to confront the fact that you're going to eat differently and exercise to lose weight, it's harder to make that promise. So a plan, a plan is critical. So, Chris, you get a client who has the plan. They seem like they're all in. And then uh, four weeks into it, they get bored with the plan. What happens? They either they either quit and you never see them again, or we have a very courageous conversation around, let's get real about what you said you wanted to do. So most people, when, when the going gets tough, they want to go back to let's plan, let's get excited about a new idea. Let's get all excited about all the possibilities they are. And they get in this perpetual cycle of living in what's possible instead of pushing through to what's probable and getting to the goal line of what's given. So that four-week point, Mike, you talked about, that's what we talk about. And again, you're going to hear this in probably every episode we ever have, at least coming from me. It's that vision. Okay, now you've, you've got this interest and you've been executing this plan, but the price is beginning to get really uncomfortable. You know, it's I'm getting bored with it. I'm physically tired, whatever it may be. You're giving yourself excuses as to why you want to quit. That vision is going to be what's going to take this plan and pull you through that discomfort and bring you out the other side. So, and you, you mentioned something else in that. I mean, if you're committed, having that coach to help you really go through the ups and downs of the whole thing is really important. Yeah. Cause we give ourselves incredible passes. We don't, we don't confront with ourselves what the real issues are. We just say, this is too hard. This is too, whatever I'm bored with it. It's not what I thought it was going to be. And, and we go back to this again. So if you have an accountability partner, whether it's your spouse, it's a coach, it's a, a probably a shouldn't be your spouse, by the way. Why shouldn't it be? I, don't, I said it probably should not be your spouse. Um, maybe. I, I don't know if I agree with that totally. Um, if you've got a good relationship, your spouse can be a, a good perspective and help you question through things. I know my husband questions me all the time. I don't always listen, but anyway. <laughs> I think that's the part of it that, that where I'm talking about that, though, because I think the... Uh, that relationship, the dynamics of the relationship are so intertwined. And then you have history of like what this person used to be like. And, and, and I, there's just, there's so much there, like having that person who's a little bit removed, who's just saying, Hey, you said you want to do this. This is what it's going to take. You're not doing it. And we can just get down to the nuts and bolts and get rid of all the baggage that gets in the way. I think that's probably true. But where I would go with that is that if you have a common goal as a couple, true, then the commitment can be, you can be each other's accountability partner. Right? Absolutely. Can, it can, it can make it more powerful. The coach or an accountability partner from, from a different perspective outside of a relationship Maybe that they they don't have an agenda. They they have a different perspective. They're they're not biased. 
Yeah, I think, you know, as we talk about this, I think there's, if you want to make a commitment, there's things you can set up in your environment around you to kind of prompt you to stay on that commitment, right? And one of them is a, is a partner, someone who's going to um, be there for you to, to kind of check in. And so we hear all the time about having an exercise partner where you go, you, you both commit to meeting each other at the gym at a certain time every day. And, and if you know, if you don't go, you're going to let them down. So you've kind of increased the odds of you going. Right. So you've sort of set up your environment with a prompt and a trigger to get you to do something that you might not otherwise do. So using the inter- external environment to help you to keep your commitments really important. You know, Kristen, you were just talking about this this quit right, where people go to a certain point and then they'll quit. And there's a there's a there's a certain personality or a certain type that does that. Right. And when when people quit on a, on a commitment, uh, what's the chances that the next commitment they make that they're going to quit? Does it go up or go down in your opinion? It, it goes up that they'll quit. Yeah. And so there's kind of get into this quit pattern, right? Where they, they start stuff and they stop stuff. And, you know, you, you might, you might be a redneck if you might have a quit pattern. If you know, your, your garage is full of half finished projects or your, your files are full of half, half started projects and, and completed projects, you know, where you haven't really gotten all the way done. So do you have a pattern in your life where you, you start stuff with a lot of enthusiasm, but you kind of quit after a period of time and go back and find something else. And that's where this concept of, of being able to intentionally make a commitment and counting the costs of any idea um, is really helpful up front to learn how to push through. So I think so, it's those, those pieces in place that's going to get you back on course. It's, it's creating a structure that's going to keep you from getting too far off course, that you'll have boundaries that you can't really get out of. It's, it's a plan. It's an accountability partner. It's a big, compelling vision. You know, if, if you really want to be trim and fit, you're, it, it's, you're going to feel discomfort in the weekend. You're eating pasta and drinking wine, knowing that Monday morning, you're going to have to go back on this routine again, and it's going to be harder to do that. All right. So Michael, these quit patterns, they show up in people's lives. What can we learn from these quit patterns? How can they be adapted and so that we can set ourselves up for success? That's a great question because the way we think about quitting um, can either damage our ability to get better or enhance it. And so it's everything we do is sort of an opportunity to learn. So, you know, if you if you have a pattern in the past of, of starting things and then quitting them, being aware of that's the first step to changing it. So so let's just talk a little bit about mechanically how that how you might be able to do that. And so quit patterns are where you've got you've got ideas that you're really excited about. There's a lot of energy. Um, in fact, this 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 process of quitting mirrors what we call the emotional cycle of change. And I'm not going to go through the training on that right now, but let's just just kind of touch on the high points. And whenever we come up with an idea of something that we want to do that that we see as beneficial, that's really something we're excited about, like losing weight or or improving a relationship or or um, doing something new, learning something, getting better at something. Whenever we make those those initial decisions, we we have this place we call uninformed optimism that we go to. We, we're really excited about the possibility of doing something like this. And we haven't really confronted the costs of, of taking the action. So we call that uninformed optimism. We're optimistic about the benefits, but we haven't really become informed about what the costs are. So that's, that's a great place to be, by the way. There's nothing wrong with that because when we're optimistic, it causes us to act. It's, it's, a great, it's, a, it's an emotional high that gets us started. So it's a really powerful tool. We've talked a little bit about this before, but when we make, when we make a mistake and we say, okay, we're committed to something and we're only interested, what'll happen is that that initial burst of energy will peter out because what happens is, is that as we begin to take action, we begin to confront the costs of those new actions. So if we want to lose weight, we're we're beginning to confront the cost of eating more effectively and more healthily. And we confront the cost of exercising and really doing some things to get in better physical shape. Right. 
So those things have cost to them. And if we haven't thought about them before we engage with them, we end up paying a price that we're not really sure we want to pay. So before we move off that uninformed optimism point, we got to get, we got to become informed. And what, what I would recommend is what you were saying before is to build a plan that says, here's what the things that I'd have to do to make my goal happen. And then confront the costs of taking those actions because, you know, we're conscious of the benefit we want. We're often unconscious of those things that we have to pay a cost to achieve it. And, and one of the things we can do to really help ourselves out is to, is to think through what are the costs I'd have to pay to make this idea happen? And then ask the tougher question is, am I willing Am I willing to consistently pay those prices to get where I want to go before I even start? And if I do that, then when I start to take action and I encounter these costs, I can think about them differently. I can see them instead of seeing them as a cost I didn't anticipate. I can see them as evidence that I'm getting better. I can, I can look at the every mile I ride on my bike as evidence that I'm getting better. I can look at every time I have a meal that's healthy and it's the right amount of calories. I can see that as evidence I'm getting better. And we can front end the way it feels to hit the goal. In fact, research shows that if you, if you recognize, if you're making progress towards your long-term goals and, and you see these actions being taken as evidence that you're making that progress, you're in the same place mentally that you will be when you hit your goal. And that's huge because if I can front end that feeling of success right away, then I'm much more likely to stay with it. So I reframe those costs into benefits in a way. I'm not lying to myself, but I see them more accurately, in fact. So as I encounter those costs, they can actually motivate me to keep going, to get even better at it. And that's where, where we can learn how to stop having that quit pattern in certain areas of our lives and actually push through to the point where we start to have the success pattern, you know, where we get to the result. And what I'll tell you that we find is, is that if you, if you get good at going all the way to, to success, the next time you come up with a new idea that you're, you might want to consider for a commitment, you're much more likely to be successful that second time. On the other hand, when you fail, when you let go and you stop the commitment, the next time you decide to commit on something in the back of your head, you're thinking, yeah, I know me, you know, I'm not going to go through with this. Even though you may not be fully conscious of that thought, there's a little, little nagging thought in the back of your head. I'm, I won't be successful with this time either. And, and every time you go through that failure loop, it gets worse and worse and worse. So again, just to, just to reiterate is to count the costs before you commit. It's okay not to commit to something. It doesn't make you a bad person, right? But you want to be able to say, okay, if I'm going to commit, what am I committing to? And the outcome is one thing. It's the price you pay on the way there. That's the other thing you got to be aware of to commit to that too. Yeah. And, and you're, I like what you said. I mean, you're going to work either the quitter muscle or the success muscle, but one of those muscles is going to get stronger. And ultimately those patterns are going to, are going to show up. You can learn from them. You can see what triggers them. You can try to figure out how you're going to handle those triggers in the, in the future. And you, we're all going to have times when our process or our patterns or what we're trying to do gets interrupted. And mm -hmm. it's really important to kind of manage that interrupt. And so it doesn't become a stop. It becomes again, just this minor interruption that we can close the gap and get back on the horse, which we always use that horse analogy a lot. I know in this show, but you know, where we get knocked off the horse, we can get back on the horse. We're our, pro, our our plan gets interrupted and we get back to our plan and working towards that goal uh, because you're exactly right. I mean, I've been in that situation where I'm losing weight and I don't necessarily see the full benefit of it yet. And I'm, you know, I want to go get a pizza and I have that thoughts like it's, you know, is this worth it to me to try to lose weight and miss out on not having pizza and all this other kind of stuff or trying to trying to do it in moderation. There's some people out there I've heard that can eat one just just one slice of pizza. I don't know if it's true or not, but I've, I've heard 
the rumors of the site of this person, this mythical person who can eat one <laughs> slice of pizza. My house last night, I wanted pizza and I can't do it. I'm not that person that can do it. And I can't have pizza at all, period. So I have to, I have to go to abstinence, not, not tempt myself. That's right. The, well, uh, if you can have pizza though, you know, one solution, Mike, is just not to cut the pie into any pieces. Then you have just, one that's piece. one, that's one big piece. There you yeah. go. And, and I can definitely it. succeed at that. That's how, that's how pizza is actually served in Italy. So that's, that makes sense to me now. <laughs> yeah, so. just, yeah. Well, the thing about that is, it's really a good point is that, you know, when we, we quit, we, that's when we fail. If we stumble, if we make a mistake, you know, we're all in, we're all imperfect. Nobody's perfect. And so, you know, we're going to experience times where we, we don't do what we know we want to do. We, we choose to do something comfortable as opposed to something productive. But if we look at that, choice is a failure and we quit then we then that's when we really suffer the consequences of failing if we look at it as just an opportunity to not do it again and, and push through and, and go right back on that horse that you were talking about it's a completely different trajectory back to that horse analogy it's it's critical that you get back into that routine or you begin to take action again as quickly as possible because the longer span of time between that stumble and going back to taking action, the less likely mm -hmm. you will be to push through instead of quitting totally. Well, the resistance, I mean, the resistance just builds up more and more, becomes just harder and harder and harder and just- you know. In your head, Absolutely. you lose that momentum. So that's kind of when you fall off the horse, supposed to get right back on. I, I don't ride horses, so I'm never gonna fall off one. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that that is, it's a great point because mentally that, that failure and the, and the fear of it gets greater and greater and greater. Well, and you begin to play these vignettes in your head over and over again about how you failed. And the further away you get from that moment that you think you failed, the more inaccurate thinking comes into play. Mm -hmm. Well, and then and going back to the interest versus commitment kind of thing, you, you, you might have a true commitment to something. And when this, when you have this challenge that pops up, that interrupts your progress, you have a decision right then and there. Is this going to be an interest or is it going to be a commitment? And that's, that's ultimately what we're talking about. Like we, we said we were committed to this. Are we going to push through, continue to make it a commitment or was it really just an interest and it's going to fall by the wayside? And am I going to fall into this habit pattern of quitting and always having interest, but never really be committed to somewhere. And then because of that, I never really progress anywhere. And it's really hurting me from an alignment standpoint, because when you're committed to something, everything has got to be aligned in your life to drive you towards that commitment. Yep. And when you're interested, you don't. Right. Because if you're interested in something and something gets in the way and it's a difficult thing to do, then you can kind of say, okay, you know, I, I'm going to give myself a break. I, traffic was bad. Um, it was bad weather, whatever it was. And I didn't have to do what I needed to do. So I'm off the hook. Right. So I'm looking for excuses and ways not to make not to have to take the action, right? But if I'm committed to something, regardless of what gets in the way, my head goes to, okay, what else am I gonna do? How am I gonna do this differently to still get the result? And, and that's a powerful way to keep external events um, from keeping you from accomplishing what you want in life. If you're not committed, you'll look to those events as excuses and get yourself off the hook. If you are committed, you'll find ways around, you'll find ways around those events. And that's a completely different way of getting results. And you're less at the whim of, of the external environment and more based upon what you're deciding to do and, and how you're deciding to think. And that's, that's powerful. All right. So to kind of put a bow on this episode, you know, interest and commitments, they're both good. 
Um, ultimately, they're both good. It's just making the decision on which one you're going to partake in. And are you doing an interest or commitment? If you're, if it's a commitment, it all starts with having a really solid plan and vision, and and go ahead and in your mind understand what the cost is going to be to keep that commitment and make and mentally make those costs up front so that you can push through them and have a plan of action of what it's going to take when you get derailed, how you're going to get back on, whether you have a coach or whether you have some sort of, I'm going to call it an accountability partner. Michael's not going to like that. Whether it's an accountability partner or whatever it might be that, that makes sure you don't drift or whatever system you have in place, that's all that has to got to be kind of mapped out so that you can have this commitment happen. And, um, you know, I love I love this because I think from an athlete standpoint, like this all really makes sense to me. From a basketball standpoint, I understand that championships are not won when the when the championship match happens. Championship matches are made in the preseason, and how hard you worked, and it's a culmination of the entire journey. And you know, the practice in October is where you win championships in in March. So, um, I and I truly believe that. So. I agree. You know, Mike, and just as the last little wrap up on this, we talked a few weeks ago about the the difference between failure and failure. And um, failure is where you go to the last possible ounce of energy that you can expend to accomplish your goal, and you and you you fall off the face of the cliff, right? You're tapped in, so you don't die. Failure is when you decide to let go and just you, you could you could give more, but you you give up before you can fully deliver. It. And that's the difference in commitment and interest. Ultimately, is that commitment causes you to take that extra step. And, and, and that's where championships come from. You don't always win the championship, but mentally you can become a mental champion, if you will, if you go to the point of failure and don't, don't mentally give up, do everything you can do to make something happen. And it's the same mindset if, as if you got the championship versus is if you fell short, granted, you don't get the great stuff on the wall and, and all the parades and things, but, but mentally, you know, that you gave your best. And that's a completely different mindset than, than having let go and failed because you quit. From a coaching perspective, that's where I try to take people is to that failure point because immediately when somebody comes into a coaching opportunity and or an engagement and they say, you know, I have to work with you because failure is not an option. Failure is always an option. It's always an option. So if you can reframe the thinking to go to failure versus failure, it gives you much more opportunity for optimization. And to learn, right? Mm-hmm. And I love it because the like we know that the commitments require alignment, and that's what we're here to do. So if you want to continue to learn more, you know, subscribe to the podcast, share these episodes with people that you want to have help you stay committed. Uh, we've got a great group called the Ascenders too. If you want to join that as well, that will help you keep your commitments and ascend towards success. And we will be back next time on Align Life Pro.